0: This is All Saints Day, and it really is. Usually we celebrate All all Saints every year on the Sunday closest to November 1st, but this is November 1st, which is a nice thing. So obviously I'm going to preach on All Saints. Uh, In the Collect, the prayer that opens the liturgy, uh, there's a a line here that... uh, That we may come to those ineffable joys that you have prepared for those who truly love you. I love the word ineffable. (laughs) And what it means, or one of the definitions, is too great, too powerful, too beautiful to be described or expressed. Unalterable, unmentionable, unmentionable, forbidden, taboo. (laughs) Right? So in... Uh, the Hebrew Bible, the name for God, Yahweh, was not spoken. I've had Orthodox rabbis, not very many, but in some, been in some circumstances, who have written me letters, uh, and they have spelled God G-D. So, the, the name is very important, and it has a certain ineffability about it part of one definition is the ineffable surging joy of the Beatles. And that listen. I'm a baby boomer and it was true the way they played together certainly in the beginning. They re, you you could tell they really liked being with each other and pl- playing together. That's an important an important thing. The other group that I felt had that on the stage was The Band. The group that backed uh, Bob Dylan. They were, they were good, and they had that sort of joie de vivre when they played. So the questions I always ask on All Saints are, what does it mean to be a saint? How do you get to be a saint? Why would you want to be a saint? Why does the church make such a big deal about the saints? What saints are we commemorating on All Saints Day And how can I understand the importance of sanctity in my life? The processes of God at work in my spirit and how I understand what that means. One of the reasons we celebrate All Saints Day and the church came to do this was because the people that we remember had a particularly important influence on the community of faith we call the church And an important influence on the lives of individual Christian people. And so it wasn't some transcendent ideal that we were talking about when we talked about sanctity. We were thinking about it, as a theologian would say, as lived realities things we'd seen in people that we believed were worthy and that we wished or hoped or desired to do as well. To be God's people in the world, what does that mean? G.K. Chesterton, the great writer on uh, spiritual matters and also the author of the Father Brown stories, says that the communion of saints means giving votes to the most obscure of all classes, our ancestors. It is the democracy of the dead. The communion of saints refuses to submit to the small and arrogant oligarchy of those who merely happen to be walking around. <laughs> Jaroslav Pelikan, who wrote a four volume thing on the tr- history of the tradition of the Christian church, said that traditionalism is the dead faith of the living. And Tradition, with a capital T, which I talk about, is the living faith of the dead. In in other words, what he's saying is that it's the continuity that we have with everybody who has gone before. You know, this was something that had an enormous uh, influence on me when I first became an Episcopalian, that God's presence was manifest in the past, in the present, and in the future. That we can think of our lives in terms of that. The importance of our own personal history... And how we either, uh, and, and the lessons we learn from it, how that influences how we live now and what it will do for us as we seek to commend the practical wisdom that we've learned to other people as we live our lives. And one of the ways of understanding that, of course, I say this over and over again, is that wisdom can be understood to be the accumulated response to adversity, you know, Sometimes I think it would be more helpful, although I'm so grateful for the the medical care I have and that I've received, but doctors are focused on the technology of things and so forth, and when you're up against some real uh, ailment, let's say cancer, which would be maybe the max, uh, a good question to ask somebody is, how have you dealt with circumstances like this in your past, even though this may be unique? What have you done with the adversity that you face that's very severe, and what skills did you marshal in order to do that? When I was in the hospital the last time I got on this jag where I would ask the nurses and all the doctors, you know, at the end of the visit at the bed, they then listen to your heart and they listen to your lungs and they tap your pulse or they do something like this. And I said, I, you know, I have a question. How long, how many hearts did you have to listen to before you knew what you were hearing. (laughs) If you tell me that I have a rattle in my lungs, how do you know that? What do you hear? So one of the nurses said to me, well, you know, nowadays uh, in nursing school, uh, there are recordings that you can listen to that will help you as you listen to a person's heart or their lungs or whatever you're listening to, your bowel sounds or the kidneys for blowers and all that sort of thing, uh, you'll know what they so- sort of sound like. And the doctors who sa- said to me, this is it, and these doctors now who are of even younger than my sons, <laughs> you know, they're in their t- 30s, they said, you know, here's the thing that, we, th- that I need to say. They said, we have learned in in medical in medicine now, we rely very heavily on the technology that we have to do this, which is extremely accurate and extremely good. But he said, the doctors your age, he pointed to me, <laughs> who are now retiring, did not have the benefit of all of this, and so these guys can listen to you and they can really tell what's going on yes. because they've had to do that. I mean, in other words, they'd say, no, I don't think it's a this, I think it's a this, right? Because they've heard 10,000 of them. I mean, when my first first boy was born, the doctor put my hands on my wife's stomach and said, okay, here's the head, here's the butt, here's an arm. And I said, I was going like this. And I said, well, how, how do you know this? And he said, because I felt a thousand of them and I know where this stuff is, where they're located now inside. Now, why am I going on about this? Because I guess the progress of sanctity may have something to do with that kind of perseverance, right? And the knowledge of how you you get to that place. In the Bible, uh, saints uh, are used, the word saint is used to mean one who lived before the time of Christ, members of the new covenant in Jesus Christ, and a synonym for the Christian faithful. You read in Paul's letters and some of them where he addresses the saints in da And he speaks of of the saints in that way. And as time went on and Christianity began to become institutionalized, a saint meant, meant somebody who was in heaven with the Lord, one who could intercede for the needs of the earthly church and respond to those needs. And one who merited public honor and cultic recognition by the church. Now for the first thousand years of Christian history, there was no process in place institutionally to create saints. They were created and came out of the individual Christian communities that believed that within their communities there were certain individuals who were worthy of being remembered. The first group, when this all started, were the martyrs, the people who gave their lives for the faith. Finally, it came to, to, to people that, you know, there are lots of people that we know who have lived very uh, sanct, uh, saintly lives, and I'm using this term to mean these people appeared to others to be one of the best human beings you could be. And we think that they need to be remembered too. And so throughout Christianity, in these individual areas and, and groups, people began to be commemorated on a way, regular basis, basis, either on their birthday or on their death day or the date of their martyrdom. And so in the 700s, we had the Holy Roman Emperor, Charlemagne, who had an advisor named Alcuin, who was from York in England. And he ran the school for the boys, the choir school. Remember all this boy choir and the men's choir were singing the liturgy all the time? And the liturgy was in Latin, and you had to know how to read and speak and sing Latin? And so between liturgies, they went to school to learn Latin grammar among other things. And that's where we get grammar school from. So he ran the grammar school. But he was interested in the liturgy and he said to to Charlemagne, he said, you know, there are disparate places where all, different saints are being commemorated and wouldn't it be nice to, to think of ourselves as universal and connected that we create a calendar of saints that's used more than, in more than one place say not just in Aachen where we are but in Paris or in some, somewhere like that and so Charlemagne said make it so and we get one of the first calendars of the saints from Alcuin and that's a long time ago now it's in the late 700s <laughs> maybe the early 800s. So it's been around uh, for a while. So we've believed in some way that saints are sources of religious power. And uh, there's one line that I said here, one who uh, is in heaven with the Lord. And it's on my mind because I, the Episcopalian 101 was about heaven and uh, what we thought about it. And also it's opposite hell Uh, N.T. Wright, the uh, well-known English biblical scholar, says that heaven is God's space where full reality exists close by our ordinary earthly reality and interlocking with it. One day, heaven and earth will be joined together forever. And the true state of affairs at present out of sight will be unveiled. And this is what we read in the book of Revelation today. I saw a new heaven and a new earth. So we're speaking about a world transformed. So there's a lot of alternatives that you can think about in terms of heaven. I talk about this a lot. There's, there's some who say, of some reputation, when you die, you are deader than a doornail. <laughs> Dead. Until the general resurrection. Others would say, when you die, you are with God, safe with God in the everlasting arms. In my father's house are many mansions, in the authorized version, but in the the new translation in my father's house are many rooms Monet, which is like being at a bed and breakfast that's what the word means it's a hotel okay a room that is not a place where you're going to reside permanently and the reason why that language is used is because it's reinforcing the idea that someday we'll all be together so it's possible that you can think about the fact that your aunt so-and-so who's died, uh, uh, when you die, you probably won't see her until the general resurrection. Right? So when you think, I'll all be, we'll all be, uh, well, maybe not. You know, that could be something, but we're safe with God. My, my own personal view is, which is, I hope, not wishful thinking, is that when I die and go to God, I will now find out the answers. Yes. The, the, the why question will be uh, less mysterious, right? Some of the ineffable uh, circumstances that I've been in in my own life. Why did things occur this way? You know, I believe that God is looking out for me and God knows me by name and loves me unconditionally. But I don't believe that God has got uh, God's hand in every aspect of what I'm doing in my life. And much of the human misery that we uh, uh, encounter today, and there's plenty of it, is the result of our behavior. Other human beings doing other things and so forth, and me included, you know? And that's not God's problem. God is not in that, except for the fact that everything is being done to bring to bear or to curve human behavior in a direction that is more godly, more life-giving, more reconciling, more peaceful, all of the things that we hope. And so when we think about saints, we think about people who maybe have been instruments of that from time to time. You know? So when we think about this kind of thing, it's important. How do I understand the importance of sanctity in my own life? If you thought to yourself, what does it mean? You know, I asked the question, why would somebody want to be a saint? I'm not so sure... When I first heard this, that I'd have it because I had a particular view of what that meant—impossible people, right? And uh, the fact of the matter is, is that sanctity has something to do with being the best human being that you can be. And we believe that we were made in God's image, and so we have to say to ourselves, "Okay, I know that I am not able to do this perfectly." But I think I can do, I can make some progress. We renew our baptismal vows on All Saints Day, on All Saints Sunday. And that's the template that we place over our own spiritual progress. So at our baptism, sacramentally, we receive some things. We receive the, uh, the infused virtues of faith, hope, and love, or faith, hope, and charity however you want to speak about them. We receive those. Those are inward things that we receive. And we can express as the result of that love, joy, peace, kindness, gentleness, self-control. In the Orthodox Church, they would say to you, the Greeks or the Russians or whoever, would say to you, we believe that every human being is moving or can move to a process of deification, theosis in Greek, which means that as we live a life of intention and seek to know God's will and purpose for us and understand ourselves to be a transparency and a reflection of God's grace and love, we become less unlike God. We become less unlike God. So, draw the line. You don't have to make that sound. (laughs) To Father Keating. We are not God, but our true self is God. So, we are always uh, embarking on getting in touch with our true self. So, I guess this week the lesson would be uh, to give thanks for the fact that you were called to be a saint. Give thanks for whatever saintly uh, behavior you have reflected back to another person, that your sanctification is living into the promises of God and becoming what you already are. Give thanks for God for knowing that you can live a life congruent with the purposes of God. And finally, give thanks for all the saints in your life. All Saints Day mainly is about the saints that you know about that we may not know their names. David Brewer doesn't know their names. But there are people who in your life have had a particular influence on you in a positive direction, have, have made you say, I, I want what they have and I'm going to try to do some of that. Or things pop into your head, sayings, comments, uh, little aphorisms that somebody has given you and uh, you wish to do that. So give thanks to God for those saints And uh, hold them continuously close to your heart and up to God. Amen.